0: Let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews in chapter number 3. Hebrews chapter number 3. Back this down just a little bit. Fan on high will make me, uh, will perch me while I'm preaching and I won't be able to think it about halfway through the message. So here we go, not that I can anyway, about half the time. So Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 1, I want you to pay close attention to verse number 1 there when he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus He's talking to you if you, uh, as a believer in Christ Jesus, we are the holy brethren. We're a partaker of the heavenly calling. Now notice the the title giving to to our Lord Jesus in this verse. He's called the high priest of our profession. Uh, That is, he's the high priest of our confession. Actually, the word profession and confession, exactly the same Greek word. They both mean the same. So he's saying that Jesus Christ is the high priest of our profession confession. Now I want you to think for just a moment about the fact that we live in a power-filled universe. In a power-filled universe. We're told that there's enough latent power in one cubic feet of, of air to blow the largest city in the world off the face of the earth. I find it just amazing. God has charged our physical universe with a power in all about us, and and uh, there's unreleased, untapped power in all of us. Now, that power was intended by God for man's blessing and for God's glory. That uh, that power was set in motion by words, and that power can be controlled by words if we learn the secret of the power of the spoken word. I uh, I want us to notice several principles about the power of words, and first of all, the world was was made by words. We look in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Remember that, by the word of God. And uh, so that those things which are seen are not made which do appear. So what is he saying there? He's saying that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. And you might go, Pastor, this is the us crowd tonight. And I'm, I understand. I understand. But I have to tell you, on Wednesday night, before I get too much further into this message, on Wednesday night, we had an us crowd as well. You know, that's Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, typically the us crowd. But we had a guest that come in, and a young man, and his first words to me during our Bible study was, he said, I'm an atheist. I said, Really? And he said, yes. And I said, well, good. I said, can you tell me why? I said, how did God, how did your expectation of God get upset? And he said, well, I prayed that God would heal somebody in my family. And they didn't get healed when I thought they should. And I said, is that person living today? And he says, yes, they are. I said, do you realize God answered your prayer just like you asked? I never thought of that. I about got so excited because I couldn't stand it because I just eroded his whole argument of why he hates or why he doesn't like God right now, all in a simple question of what, what made him mad about God or what made him mad at God. Well, as we talk about the power of God and the word of God, I was brought back to to the reminders. We've been working our way through our our uh, our confessions or, or our faith, how to get it, how to grow it. I brought back the 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 idea and uh, uh, as we we're going through, to look at the the word. and he's saying there that the words were framed by God, so that the world was framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made, which things do appear. In other words, Everything we see was made of things which were invisible. Now, when you read the creative account of the book of Genesis, you're going to read statements like this, and God said, "Let there be firmament." And there was firmament. I uh, I like that. God said, "Let there be light." And there was light. God said, "Let there be a moon and a stars." And God said, "And it was so." God created the world and with words, so everything we see that's visible was made of something invisible, and the invisible became visible by the power of the spoken word of God. I I just, to me, that's amazing because, you know, you and I, we cannot imagine nothing. I can't imagine nothingness. I close my eyes and I think of the sky, and what do I come up with? I have a lot of stuff. It might be a blue sky with a, a, a yellow moon. Or a bright sun, uh, you know, you look at it and you go, there it is. Or I might close my eyes and it might be one of those times when I was sitting out back here looking up at the sky and you tried to count the stars and I could never get a good number because about the time I made it past about 30, I realized I missed that one and that one and that one. And I went, hmm, I can't imagine a time of nothingness. And yet God said, and it was, just as he said. And now God said, let the earth bring forth grass and it did and he said let the the earth bring forth trees and it did so we know that here is a world made by words but not only that the world was controlled by words when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden they were given power to subdue the earth and I don't believe that that Adam and Eve could subdue the earth with with a hoe I I don't think that they subdued the earth the garden of Eden through through hard labor I don't think they subdued the animals with a whip I I think they had to go, uh, they had to do, what uh, all they had to do was speak and all the earth was under their subjection. They spoke, the animals did their their bidding because they were controlling the world under the authority of God. God had given them the authority and they were living under the power, under God's authority and they were in subjection and perfect obedience to God's authority. Because of that, they had the same power with the words that God had. They could speak, and it was so. Now notice Genesis 1.21, God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. You have dominion over the fish of of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moveth upon the face of the earth. So once the world was controlled by words, then the fall came. And that came by words too, didn't it? We come and Satan enters the picture, and what happened Satan came and the devil introduced the first doubt he came to Eve and he said, "Hath God said God said of uh, you cannot eat as of every tree of the garden then Satan produced the first lie he said, "You will surely not eat you surely won't die if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you won't die. Then he introduced the first criticism. God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open in Genesis 3, 5. So when you get ready to to criticize and say a bad confession, you might remember that first criticism on the planet. We might remember the first one was introduced by the devil himself. We might just keep that in mind when we're tempted to criticize because the author of criticism was Satan, and he gave the first criticism that ever took place on this planet. So for the first time, Adam and Eve spoke a word that was not in harmony with their creator. When they spoke a word that that was not in harmony with their creator, they fell from fellowship with God. They accepted the word of the devil, and as a result, chaos, confusion came upon. Sin broke fellowship with God. Confusion came upon the planet, and they became separated from God. We look and you go, the world fell. Why? Because of their words. Their words were not in agreement with God. and The world fell. The fourth is the world was redeemed by words. In John John one, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning. Verse 14 it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now he's talking about the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus, that that the Father sent into the world. Now Jesus Christ was the word of God. He was the expression that that God ever thought, uh, uh, the the expression that all that God ever thought of uh, in human form. Jesus, the living word, was the expression of the written word. So all that God had ever thought or said was uh, capsulized in the person of the Lord Jesus. In Jesus Christ was the love of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God, the salvation of God. All of it dwelt in Jesus in his bodily form. Paul said that in Christ dwells all the riches and the knowledge of the triune God. So the scripture says that in Jesus Christ we have the preeminence because in Jesus God dwelt bodily in him. So when God got ready to redeem this planet and redeem you and I, he did it through the living word the Lord Jesus Christ. Now God wanted to make a statement, so in Hebrews 1.1 it says that God, who at diverse or sundry times and manners has spoken to us through the servants, the prophet has given these last days, spoken to us through his son, the Lord Jesus. He said that God has, has spoken in times past we could look at all of the prophets. We could look at all of the, the, the walks through and, and take a look in the Old Testament and, and see that it's this men wrote the word of God. But now God has spoken to us through the living word through Jesus Christ. Now, a word is a thought crystallized. A word is a thought crystallized. Jesus Christ was all that God says, crystallized in human form. Now, Jesus accomplished his ministry through words, and the people said that neither a man spoke as this man. See, if you follow the ministry of the Lord Jesus, if you, you, you'll see that what Jesus did, he did by the power of spoken word. He said to the fig tree, be cursed and never bear figs again. And that's what happened. We walk through it and you go, hmm. He said to the leper, be cleansed. And the leper was made whole. He said to the blind man, Receive sight. And the man could see again. Jesus said to the crippled man, Take up your bed and walk. And immediately he took up his bed and he walked. He spoke, and it was so. Jesus commanded demons to come out of a possessed man, and they came out. He commanded the demons to enter into the pigs, into the swine, and and they did. Jesus was in agreement under the authority of the Heavenly Father. Therefore, whatever he said came true. Whatever he said happened, just like whatever God the Father said happened in creation. Whatever Jesus said happened because he was under the authority of the Father. Now, he did his ministry through the power of spoken word. So let's go back to our original verse. Who is Jesus this evening? Well he's many things he's our savior he's our redeemer he's our lord he's our king he's our high priest he's our alpha omega he's the beginning and the end but he's the high priest of our confession now what does a high priest do see what does a high priest do well a high priest is one who ministers on behalf of others. What, is a, what is a confession? The word confession comes from two Greek words, homologos. Homo means the same and logos means to speak. So homologos means to speak the same as. So when we make a confession, it means to say the same thing as. The Bible says in First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confession, right there. That's to speak the same as to agree. Now, to confess our sins, it doesn't mean just mean to say, "Father, I've sinned. I'm sorry." I find amazing how many times uh, that uh, we find that the folks go, "Well, I've sinned. I'm sorry," and that's it. To confess our sins as a believer means that I agree with God, that I agree with God concerning my sins. To say the same thing as God says about my sins, to be in agreement with God when He says that He's hurt and repulsed by my sin. That's what it means to confess my sin before God. Confession means to say the same thing as or to agree. Jesus, as the high priest of, of our confession, so when we line up with the Word of God, we line up with the written Word of God, we line up with the living Word of God, who's the high priest of our confession then we're under the position of authority and when we confess and say the same thing as the written word of God, the living word of God then we're in a position of asking and getting what we ask for forgiveness of sin See, being under authority and lining up with Jesus is a matter of claiming the promise of God and getting what the promise of God says and guarantees Now you say, Pastor, that takes a lot to get there I, I, I just took and, and it's like taking the big picture of theology and I went and dumped on you. I gave you a whole bunch and said, there it is. Let me give it to you in a real way. And this is part of why I love camp so much. Why I love to see kids go off to camp. Because what it is is so often it's the separation of man from the things in which we do. To where we get into a place where we're not normal and we hear God speak. And that gives us the opportunity to agree with God that I am what I am. See, the reality is, is most of us can name our sins. We're adults, so we look at it and we go, yeah, I can name my sins. That's not a a real hard thing. I can pray that verse that David wrote when he said, search me, O God, see if there be any wicked way in me. I've read a book here recently that's called Dangerous Prayers. Brother Chase gave it to me, and I made it through the second part, the second part is talks about breaking me. And you're asking God to break you. I got to tell you. That's a rough chapter to read. And I'll be quite honest with you. I don't like the idea of praying that prayer. I don't like that idea. I I I don't like that idea. Call it my pride. Call it my sin. When we're broken, it usually involves a certain amount of pain to go with it. And I don't like, I don't know about you, but I've, I, humanly I don't like that. I'm not afraid to speak about my, my human condition here. I don't like that idea. And so as I'm reading this thing and I'm going, I don't like this. I bet I put that chapter down four or five different times because I don't like this. Put it down, and the next day I'd sit down beside that goofy little book, pick it up, and I'd read a page or two more out of it, and I'd get a page or two further into reading about breaking me. Lord, how break! Get that thing out of the living room. I don't like that book. God's doing this little bit of digging around right now, and it it doesn't feel real good. I don't know that I want to go down the painful road of being broken. In fact, I'll be honest, I prayed a different prayer while we're there. I prayed a completely different prayer. I, I got the I, And I sat there and laughed as I closed the book one day. I said, Lord, I hope, and I named off several things that have hurt in my life. I said, I hope those were where I was broken, that you don't have to break me now. Because I really don't want to go through that pain right now. Don't want to. You know, the spoken word of God, God moving, coming in agreements with God. God, I need you. I want you to move. I want you to move. I want you to move in our life, and our church. God, I want you to move. Now, notice what the high priest does in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 1. We're going to see. He says, now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum." We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. I can't read this without getting excited. I have a high priest who is set on the right hand of the father the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched. Not man. Not man. See when when we jump in here and, and you look, a ministry of the 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 min, a minister of the sanctuary and a, the true tabernacle. So what's he saying here? When Jesus died on the cross, when he ascended back to the Father, what did he do? Where is he today? He sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. He sat down, meaning his work was done. He sat down on the right hand of God. That's the place of authority. It's the place of a power. He 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 sat down, meaning he had accomplished his work on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now he's a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord had pitched, not man. So he's saying that when Jesus Christ, our high priest, goes to the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. He's going into, into a tabernacle in heaven pitched by God, not the one on earth made by Moses. There's one in heaven made by God for which it was the pattern of the one that Moses made down in the wilderness. And God gave the instruction specifically. So Jesus, our high priest, who appears specifically for us in the presence of the Father in the tabernacle in heaven, He is the high priest of what we say. He's the high priest of our confession. So therefore, whatever we say, whatever we confess, is what He presents to the Father. If we're confessing victory, He presents it to the Father. If we're confessing strength, He presents it to the Father. If we're confessing wisdom, He presents it to the Father. If we confess hope, He presents that to the Father. If we confess faith, he's presenting that to the Father. we confess power, he's presenting that to the Father. He is the priest of what we say. He's the high priest of our confession. Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus takes what we say, what we confess in agreement with the Word of God, in agreement with the Son of God, and he presents it to the Father in heaven, and that is how he makes intercession for you and I. What a blessed truth. Now one thing we need to remember is that the devil also listens to our confessions. Don't forget Satan and all the demons of hell have been assigned to listen just as well. and just like they listened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they heard them make a negative confession about God. Well, maybe we shouldn't listen to God. Maybe we ought to to disobey God. Maybe we ought to eat. Uh, of this tree, after all, maybe God didn't know what He was talking about. You see, Satan and his demon listen to what you say, and if we, if you need a to make a negative confession, then we need to leave Jesus without anything to present to the Father in intercession. See, if we make a confession that is not in line with the promises of God, the devil uses that as an accusation against us. He's the, the accuser of the brethren it's like those little kids my goodness we got a bunch of them I could pick any two that are friends and you could pick about any Sunday of the month and when they come from the back to the front without fail somebody's already in an argument they did it there's that accusation isn't it they did it she did it. He did it. How about the devil going and saying your name? You did it. Oof. See, we need to be careful about what we confess about our church. Satan will take that and what we confess, and he'll use it against us. Or we need to be careful what we say and about even our spouses. Because Satan will take that and use it against us. You ever say something in jest and then come back and not only regret it when you said it, but then have it come back to bite you again and again? There's the devil using it, the accuser of the brethren. He'll point that finger in a hurry. See, he wants to destroy you and I. He wants to destroy the church, and he loves for people to say, like we're going backwards. Things aren't going very well. The word of God says that the church is built on Jesus Christ and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I can stand and say I know. See we don't confess according to the appearances of our life. We confess what God's word says and God's word says that we're always triumphant through him that loves us. God's word says that when we are weak, he is strong through him who is powerful. We might be physically weak, spiritually weak, but through him, that's when power takes over. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's when the power of God can can operate in our life. So we confess victory in the midst of defeat. We, We confess power in the midst of weakness, and we confess joy in the midst of sorrow. So that doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what faith is. Anybody can rejoice when things are going well. I mean, that's, that's easy. Anybody can hop on the bandwagon and, and run to, to this place and, and that place when the fire is, is burning over there or when it's uh, going good over here or over there. Anybody can rejoice. But faith is claiming the promise of, of God in the midst of adversity and standing on them. Growing my faith is standing on the promises that will not fail. See, if we don't think confession is important, that's where the Christian life begins. That's that reminder. See Romans ten nine, the Bible says that uh, we're not even saved until we do what? Until we confess our sins. Do uh, hmm. we confess our sins? We confess with our lips the Lord Jesus, and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead. That we'll be saved. And then for us thick-headed folks, he had verse number 10, repeats it just in a different order. Confession of Jesus is a day-by-day day part of our growth in Christ. Yeah, I did it one day to come to know Christ as Savior, but it's a daily move. It's a daily part of, of walking in Him. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Jesus said, uh, If you'll confess me before men, then I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, then I'll deny you before my Father, who is in heaven. That's an ongoing confession. We have to confess Jesus in every circumstance of our life. If We have to continue to confess Jesus every day. See, if we don't confess Jesus, we'll never grow as a believer, and that's something... When we don't grow in our Christian life, that's trouble. Confession is important because we cannot live apart from, we cannot live for Jesus apart from confession and coming to Him. Now, Jesus, of course, is a part of lining up with the authority of God. So He's the one who said, All power and all authority is given me. He said to us, I will give you the power and the authority that's given me. That's why we confess Jesus. He comes to the Father and he says, Father, they're confessing me, so I'm going to confess them to you. But he says that if you deny him, he'll deny you to the Father. A believer will never rise above their confession. James 3.8 says that no man, the tongue no man can contain. Control. It's an unruly or evil, deadly poison, and therewith we bless the Father. Uh, we bless, bless we God and the Father, and therewith we curse man. Hmm. So, if we don't believe there's power in what we say, then the Bible says that what we say, we can curse God and bless man. Many times, people will bless us and what they've said positive confession is encouraging isn't it one positive confession makes up for 50 negatives that's why I like to start with the praises before I ever start with with the needs because I know that we all have needs there isn't any question we all have needs we need to exhort one another so much the more as we see the day approaching Hebrews reminds us so nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to put a, a curse on anybody but we are commanded to bless others to encourage one another the blessing in the Old Testament times was so important, so important. You remember, that's why Esau and Jacob fought over their blessing because they believed the father's blessing. And before he died, was it was powerful. So whoever got that blessing would be blessed. And that's why Rebekah tried to fool Isaac in giving the blessing to her favorite son, Jacob, because she believed the blessing was so important and powerful. You know, we as parents, we can bless our children through our words. We can Pray the promises of God over our children. We can pray the blessings of God over our children and to our children and for our children. And where do we find those blessings? Well, we take them right out of the book, take them right out of scripture. We can go to Second Timothy in chapter one, verses seven and eight when God said, uh, not to give my child the spirit of fear but he gave him a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind god give that to my children exceedingly abundantly above all they could ever ask or think god give that for my children what are we confessing what do we confess last week what do we do with our words Bless? Do we confess? How have we helped? I've always found it hard to swallow sometimes when Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty-six that I'm going to give an account of every idol. Most of you know me. I like to joke around. I like to pick and like to have fun, and I like to do so. And every time I read that verse, I think, "Oh Lord, how much trouble am I going to be in for all of that? For every idle word." At the same time, I say, "Lord, how many times have I been guilty of not lifting up?" picking somebody up and encouraging them when I should have our words matter our words matter let's pray together Father God I thank you for your word and I thank you for who you are and God I ask that you would help us to come before you in confession to say Lord Jesus here I am David said search me that we would pray that as well search me Lord and that we would agree with you because you are a holy 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 God a thrice holy and Lord we know that we are not Lord we've been made holy because of you Lord Jesus and so I ask this evening that you'd help us that we'd agree with you my heart, work in me, move me, and change me today. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name.